Hello and welcome everyone to this week's episode of Double DM Podcast, where today we are going to be talking about handouts and props at your tables as a dungeon master and how you can create them, use them to great effect and yeah, change the game using props. And we also talk about online play in this episode. It's not just about physical uh, in-person play. We also have some advice on doing that online, creating handouts there, making sure that they're accessible and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. But first, as every week, we have to talk about what went on in our lives so we can understand where we are coming from when uh, we are doing our discussions. So Niels, how was your week? Um, It was a week. Currently work is a shit show, but other than that, I'm fine. I mean, working retail in December, November... Yeah, but the, the thing Any is, time of year. That, that, that's totally fine. I, I get that. That's no not the uh, selling point. Oh, here. God, what happened? The selling Lay point it on is, me, sister. I got asked if I could uh, come in yesterday as well, uh, a week prior to that. So everything in that regard is fine. But I didn't know we had mandatory work on Sunday this week. Oh, right. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. Called in Germany, Verkaufsoffener uh, Sonntag. No, 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 not that. We aren't even open. It's just packing shit we didn't do or couldn't do because we are so short stuffed. Yeah, it will be fun. But I didn't realize that when I agreed to come in on Wednesday as well, because we are so fucking understuffed. But yeah, I didn't realize that when I agreed to work on Wednesday as well. And now I have a 40-hour work week instead of a 20-hour work week like usually. And my whole weekend will be Saturday, Sunday and Monday all working. That will be And after fun. that you have, I don't know, a day off or two? Two days. The, then it goes back to the normal schedule. Not worth it. I'm nope. gonna say it. Yeah. However, the, the fun thing is, I'm gonna get uh, 120% hours. And yeah, yeah but the, the fun thing is, on Saturday, I'm gonna work until half past 10. And then on Sunday, we start at 8. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, but I'm, uh, yeah, and if you work late, you can come in later. Yeah, but I'm not gonna destroy my whole Sunday for just four hours. Fuck that. But yeah. Mm. Other than that, my week has been great. How about yours? So my work week has also been kind of shit, you could say. So painting the picture here. Friday at like noonish, around noon. I was working on Friday, right? I get the mm -hmm. message or we all get the message in, in our IT team. The office doesn't have internet anymore like okay. it's not just a normal the router is restarting in five minutes it's back it's like we haven't had internet for an hour and we cannot do our work okay no one is going to come into the office today it's impossible to do that on a friday at like noon because we tell them okay buy uh buy a lot of mobile data buy a lot of data volume and just work with that for now right the company is going to pay it for it anyway on monday we get the message we we already had telephone calls with the company providing our internet and they said yeah it's broken cool and there's no way we as an it team could fix it let's then I, w I was planning on going to into the office on monday so i canceled that plan and just stayed home and worked from home i also worked tuesday from home on tuesday the uh our office called and said yeah we tomorrow the technicians come can one of you guys come in i am the only one working on wednesday so mm. i say okay yeah sure i'm gonna go i'm gonna come in on wednesday i don't like working on wednesdays in the office because wednesdays in the office are first of all it's packed mm. second of all i normally don't work that long on wednesdays so it would be like a trip of like three hours roughly uh, there and back 
together mm-hmm. to then just work like six hours. Yeah, that's shit. Like, mm-hmm. sure, you can do it, but normally I, when, when I go to the office, I go the full eight to nine hours of working I am allowed to do in, in, mm. in a day here. And, well, yeah, I sh- I'm, I'm saying, okay, when are they going to come? Uh, they said, then they gave me a, the time frame of 9 to 1 p.m. 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. is where they are going to arrive. That is the time they gave us for that's what they that's what they need to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to be there at 9. I'm going to start at 9. I'm going to end my work shift at 3 p.m. and then be done with it. Simple. So I go into the office and it is 8.50. The first person greeting me are the leaving technicians with the words, yeah, everything works. Oh, my Lord. No, fuck yes. that. That was the first wow. thing. I, the first conversation I had that day was basically someone telling me the thing that you got called into work for is fixed. There's no reason for you to be here. Wow. What? Okay. But I also only go like every two or three weeks into the office on Mondays. They don't need us that much in the office, but when we're there, right, we're supposed to fix the printer. There's a new, I don't know, a new uh, new stuff needs that needs to be installed. A new PC needs to be reset or something. Mm, the IT stuff. The IT stuff that you can, that you have to do on, on hardware, more or less. But that's okay, right? But, but I'm getting paid for, so I'm going to do the job. Anyway, so I'm done with my work week now because only I'm allowed to work 20 hours a week. Mm. I think just like you are, theoretically. I, I work by 20 hours now, and yeah, I'm done. I'm happy to do uh, other stuff now, podcasting stuff like this. Hell yeah. And yeah. How was your TTRPGs this week? Uh, yeah, it was uh, was nice. We had a um, one-shot on Tuesday because now it's December and we have our one-shot slash new system month, basically. New system month, yeah. But yeah, this one-shot was in, at first supposed to be the Halloween one-shot, which got postponed multiple times and just playing now on the first Tuesday in December. So we made it a Nightmare Before Christmas one-shot or the GM made it a Nightmare Before Christmas one-shot, which was mm-hmm. pretty fucking fun. And... Yeah, what system again? In D and D. What the yeah, fuck is new system month? I'm getting to that. Ne- next week is going to be another one shot in D and D. Yay! Fun new system, right? What and the fuck then is happening that, here? What the fuck is happening here, Niels? Yeah, yeah. We we made a list and what systems we'd like to play, all of that, and then the one shots got postponed, but no one wanted to cancel them. So we are playing the two one shots, and then we only have one, maybe two other times we can try out new systems. Mm-hmm. So yeah, n- new system month, everybody. Hey. But anyways, the the one shot was really, really fun. We laughed all the way through just Mm -hmm. and I played this really fucked up gnome who works basically in the toy factory of Santa. Played an artificer that just threw random inventions at the uh, at the enemy, at the Oogie Boogie to, um, yeah, basically, basically defeat them and get back Santa. And then Mm. I had to contemplate if I want to stab Santa or not, which I didn't for now, for this year. Let's see where next year leads. But yeah, that's basically all of my TTRPGs this week. Yeah, just fun stuff, silly stuff, a lot of laughter, good times, and enjoyable company with friends. How about you? What did happen in your week? Did anything happen in your TTRPG week? No, sadly not. I didn't have a session on Tuesday, and I'm not going to have one today. Uh, I don't think we have a session scheduled for Friday this week anyway. I don't think so either. And this weekend is free. So this is another week of no TTRPGs for me, which I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of very glad for because that means I have some time to get caught up on Christmas preparations, buying presents and getting everything ready for everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Besides that, nothing really happened. Uh, This weekend is, I think, very chill for me. One of my uh, old friends 
birthday is uh, this week. Uh, yeah, one of my old friends um, is celebrating his birthday on Saturday. So I'm going to go probably to a restaurant with them, have some time oh, there, yeah. but mostly just spend that time doing the best thing besides TTRPGs, which is uh, optimizing my Baldur's Gate honor mode runs that have already fell through sometimes. And other perfect, times perfect. they worked uh, out pretty far, uh, pretty well so far. We, on our first try, nearly managed to beat all of Act 1 nice. almost flawlessly. Oh, that's that's great. Almost flawlessly. And then we got completely shit on by the Inquisitor of Vlakiv. Okay, yeah, fair. As the fair. last combat of... The, the, the important thing about Honor Mode in Baldur's Gate is all the bosses now have legendary resistances and legendary actions. Fuck, and some of okay. them are incredibly strong because every time, for example, with the Inquisitor, every time you attack an enemy, he gets to summon a spiritual weapon that deal like 20 damage on hit. Yeah, oh, sh oh, what the fuck? Amazing. Ethel, I have the to hack play mode. is I incredible play strong as well. Her, okay. her legendary action is every time you cast a spell, she summons another copy per spell level of spell you cast. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Um, what the, about... Um, uh, oh, which way did you go? Did you uh, Druid Grove. We, we, we sided with the druids. Or, yeah. Well, not with the druids, but uh, we killed For the, the goblin leaders, yeah. How was the draw Rexland fight? Oh, that one was easy. Okay. I, I want to say, until the goblin cat, until basically everything b besides the bosses in Act 1, everything is easy or was easy for us because we optimized our fucking way through it. We got to level three without actually one hard combat. Mm -hmm. We um, we got to level four with one close call, but easy peasy with, with the correct build of a party we had. Life clerics are OP, by the way. In all the four, three honor modes we started so far, I have played a life cleric. And I, let me tell you, life clerics are fucking busted in honor mode because you are able to keep your party alive for the entire game. Yeah. We haven't used a single scroll of Revivify yet because of a life cleric. Clerics Just because in, of that. Clerics in general, why, why they are still the least played class, I don't get it. But So anyways. one of the things is um, the, um, the near fight uh, in yeah. Grimforge. Yeah. Takes hours the way we did it because we cheesed it so fucking hard. Love that. We we stood on the rafters, every single one of us, and triggered everything from range, making it basically impossible for all of their melees to hit anything the entire oh, fight. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Making Good. this fight just take a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Grim, the, the Adamantine Guardian, yeah. um, gets... I think he gets hasted and temp HP every time you hit him. Fuck. We haven't fought him. He, he was the boss we wanted to do after the Inquisitor, when the Inquisitor just one-shot us. Okay, haste and temp HP for yeah. Grim? That's, that yeah. can be fucking yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I really want to say this. The bosses in Act 1 and every every act beyond that, the bosses in Baldur's Gate do not fucking play around in honor mode. It is really fucking hard to beat them. And every single fight is fucking scary. And I mean, the first time I played Baldur's Gate and didn't know any bosses, they didn't fuck around for that either. The spider but, matriarch in the yeah. blighted village yeah. cave gets to entomb you in spider webs. Yeah, well, fuck that. When you hit her. Damn. And that doesn't okay. mean it's a saving throw. You are, you are paralyzed and stunned. 
Fuck. You are unable to do anything as long as you're entombed. And the only way you can untomb someone is by attacking the spiderwebs, dealing up to 40 damage to the creature inside. Fuck. Sounds like fun. I gotta play the fucking honor mode now. Honor mode is really fucking fun if you love optimizing your experience and the strategy. Th like, the thing no, is... No, no shit. Me and a friend are sat an hour long before we even get to character creation thinking about what build we want to do because we had to optimize everything from the last minute detail of it. Sounds like an A-man run, not gonna lie. You need a life cleric. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You will need something that soaks up so much damage. That means a paladin, a barbarian, or a fighter at least. 100%. You need okay. one of the three. Okay. We went with... Um, our current run is a life cleric, a rogue fighter combo, okay. a barbarian, and a sorcerer. Okay. And we're not so sure yet if that is an optimized combo. I, I kind of feel um, a monk thief, a monk rogue thief Spore Druid Monk is incredibly busted as well. Okay. But we fucked that run uh, because we killed Helson. Oh boy. And basically are gonna lose so much XP in the long run, therefore, because we can't do an, an entire quest line with him. Um, so yeah, yeah good, fun. Good to know. I, 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 gotta, I gotta check that out. One last tip. Exploration XP is OP for you. And I have a very great tip for the tutorial to, to basically cheese the tutorial so fucking much as you level up basically in the tutorial. Okay. And with that, I think we've discussed everything that happened in our weeks. Everything we're looking forward to. We can jump ahead into our episode on props at your table. Hey listener, how are you enjoying the show so far? Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a five-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to Double DM and joining us on this incredible journey. So Emil, it's been a while since I had my or run my Halloween one shot this year. Mm -hmm. it, it's quite a while back, but I mean, it is December already, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it took place in early November and blah 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 blah. But anyways, anyways, okay, yeah. The way I introduced that whole one shot was with a letter from the one that contracted the party to do the stuff that they then set out to do. Um, and what I did is I really physically wrote the letter with a um, wax seal and everything and a paper and stuff and mm -hmm. then handed it to my players and just the look on their face when they really got the letter and not just me reading what the letter said was amazing that's something that i want to talk to you a bit about today having props at the table handouts props anything other to use than just your descriptive voice what's your take on that How, do you like them do you like handouts or don't and if so why and why not 
and or why not i think for everyone that came into ttrpgs before the age of digital play um like for example we did which right the age of digital play really took off thanks to the pandemic and stuff like that i think everyone that before that either had that happen to them or had handouts themselves because right they're like i don't know a natural thing to just exist and happen at a ttrpg table when you're physically there because i think that is actually the biggest advantage physical play has you have the ability to sit around the table and touch the stuff. The stuff, I mean your character sheet, not the other players, by the way. Sure. <laughs> okay. Like <laughs> I mean, the one thing that, that I really didn't like about digital play of TTRPGs was that I wasn't physically able to sit around the table with my other players, talk to them, look them in the eye, and basically have a real conversation with them. And then also write, for example, for the GM to hand us a letter written by whatever thing, or even a physical prop to do stuff with. It is just not the same when you have it just portrayed on a screen. It still works, right? You still mm -hmm. can portray the letter on a screen instead of just reading it. But having a physical paper in hand obviously is cooler. And I yeah. think one thing I love those handouts, especially when they're crafted with love, attention, effort put into them, right? They're not just printed out documents from, for example, the module that you're running. They are things that you've made for the characters, mm -hmm. for the players to use. And also one of the big things, when you have these handouts, handouts just work way better than just blasting information at your players in any way, shape, or form. But we will get to that in a bit. To answer your question, I love them. I do not have the time to make them most of the time, unfortunately. But when I do, I really want to go all out with the few things that I do. But it's the same for me. I don't always have the time to do uh, certain handouts or handouts at all. But when I do, I want to make sure that really fun to use and it's a major thing. Not necessarily the thing being a major plot point or a major key to something, but that the prop itself is made well enough so I can say, yeah, that's that's here. That's for you. You can keep that. Yeah. And it's just fun crafting those. And one thing that I like to do or want to do in the future is when I craft these physical props, I want to hide some messages in them to make them a key to something that might be relevant in the campaign to come. Hidden messages that only reveal as you put all the map pieces or the uh, letters that you got from a certain character together and review under a certain light or something. Oh my god, yes. I want to make a fucking treasure map for a pirate type campaign, mm -hmm. cut it up into a thousand different pieces or whatever and write stuff with invisible ink on every single one of yep, them. Yep, this single this is the one. Like, like on the first one, it's just a simple hint for the first treasure on that map. But there is some, some, some drawings on them as well that don't make sense. And when you finally get the second map, you see that this also has drawings that, co that connect in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Yes, I really want to do that. However, the big problem I have with that is I currently, in the current wake of TTRPGs and how they're played and how I play them basically just by the convenience of how I live is I need to make everything kind of work online as well. That yeah. is my first big thing. It needs mm -hmm. to kind of work online because it doesn't matter if my best friend lives five hours away from me. They cannot come to Berlin every single week or every two weeks or even every month to play a session where those yeah. props would shine. So it needs to work online. And I think that is the first big hurdle of any good prop that you make. Mm -hmm. While yes, 
you make them physically. I think the best thing right now is when the prop also kind of works online mm -hmm. because your game might as very much be online. So, and, and the thing, the thing with that map, for example, is it would work online. It would yeah. because I just need to wait for my players to get basically the key to unlocking the secret ink on that map and then change to a different image of that map. Exactly. Right online that would still work and most things work online as well with a bit of rethinking but there are some things that don't work online as well um for example if you have something not embroidered that's the wrong word um stenciled onto the paper or something that you can just feel um that you don't mm. really see Th that's hard to relate you can obviously create an image of the thing that is stenciled on there as an as a, in a different color to make it seen, but it's uh -huh. just not not the same as seeing invisible ink and making yep. that into a new image. So that that's a disparity there. But most other things you can just rethink. Like, yeah, I create two maps, one with uh, the invisible ink visible and one without. Yep. And then once they have the key, they get both pictures. Um, and if they want to look at the invisible ink one, they can look at that. Or if they just want to look at the world map, they can just do that. I also think something that is kind of very important to these props be they physical or even digital and the thing that the thing is the digital ones do have that advantage they are accessible yeah because one of the things that you need to think about when you have physical props is that they are accessible not just um, because one of the big things is that ttrpgs as a medium is mostly done through your head communication something that we as humans basically all can do so they are very accessible as a hobby using props for example with paper that that has stenciled in some kind of code that you need to crack could potentially um, make your game or make your make the table you play at more inaccessible for other people that might not be able to read that well or, or feel that well with their fingers or if your prop is a physical map of something and it is and you have a blind player at your table that physical map is completely useless at first you would yeah. need to describe it or you would need to somehow find a way for them to be able to interact with that map still. One of the things is that when you make a prop, I think that is, goes without saying, but I just want to state it, you should make it for the table that you're playing at. Doesn't fucking matter if, and, and that, that also includes the online thing, right? If your table plays online, it just doesn't fucking matter that you have a prop that you could use in game at a physical table. Mm -hmm. If your table is online or your table has these and these certain conditions to them, you need to work with those conditions first. But I think that goes without stating. Everyone actually kind of knows that. Kind of very important to make when you use these clues or use these props, because most of these props are used for riddles, puzzles, mysteries and stuff like that, right? Because that's where mm. they come from. As the fascination of escape rooms is the exact yeah. same thing as yeah. you, you have with the props at your table. You need to make these props not just accessible to people with certain disabilities, but also able-bodied people so they can actually crack that mystery. Hmm. Your table needs to be able to understand the clue or understand the prop, use it, and figure out what you want them to figure out yeah. with that. If your, if your prop does not do that, it isn't useful at all. Yeah. Right? They are very simple props that, for example, do not have any mystery connected to them. I think my favorite is city maps with oh, yeah, I, lo I love Giving them. your players yeah. a city map is 
is great because they can then really say, I want to go there because I want to figure out what's there. And exactly. you can run with that because you both have now the same vision of the city. Mm. And that is great. Giving each and every one at the table the same vision of the place you're in will greatly enhance role play, in my opinion, mm. because everyone is on the same page, literally able to understand what everyone else is saying when they say something like, okay, I want to go to the palace. Yeah. And everyone knows, okay, from where we are right now, you would have to then pass, I don't know, let's say three further rings of walls with city guards that you would need to convince that you're allowed past that point. Mm. Right? Everyone would know what that would mean. And then you as the GM can also prepare encounters accordingly depending on the path the player takes. And I think uh, maps are one of the easiest things to convey or uh, convert into online play as well or yeah. are m even more easily accessible in online play because it's easier to just load, uh, upload an image than to have a printout of that image in a uh, certain size for the table. But I just love having some sort of map be it a city map or a regional map or a, a world map as well just to know mm -hmm. where the fuck we are currently as a player <laughs> And as a GM, I want yeah. to know where the fuck my players are. And as a player, I want to know where the fuck I am in regards to where I was before. And then basically have that path that we as a party took to get where we are today. Mm -hmm. Just having that as a, um, yeah, as a way to see what has been done as um, already is just amazing stuff. And then you can just say, yeah, we want to take that path. Okay, but we want to take exactly that path and point to one. And then it's not up for interpretation what that path you mean it just helps with a clearer communication in uh, regards to location of the player characters being it a city map or a local map of this one house or one palace or the regional map of that country or the world map to see which country to go to next or where they come from it just mm -hmm. helps with a clearer communication yeah and i think that is really what props are supposed to do like that is one of the big aspects of props they should enhance your communication and shared vision at the table. If they don't do that, it's a bad prop. If, for example, the very simple ones are just handouts you print out or show it on the screen, for example, uh, when you play digitally. But for example, a letter, you as the GM can also basically read out in the character's voice and put mm. that as an audio file somewhere as well digitally for your players to listen to at any given point in time. Or for example, if your players are finding right an audio recording itself, mm. you can make that audio recording with the hints in the audio tape that you want to put in there. Mm -hmm. You are you can do that. You don't just have to write the stuff out and read it to them once. You can literally make the audio file so it always sounds the same. And I think that is the kind of second thing that props can really do well for you it is consistency yeah they take something off your shoulders as a gm for you to basically rely on a map is again very good example here because you give your players a map and you don't have to explain to them every single time how to get somewhere in the city or what they would have to do to do certain things Because you put the map in there, the overworld map, and your players say, okay, I can I can travel from here to here. How long does it take? You tell them roughly a week. And they say, cool, okay, so anything equal that will also take a week, right? And it is completely taken off your back to think about the sh certain fucking shit like travel proportions and travel times, which is something I hate. If it's now three or four days, right, no one cares about those minute details. But I hand my players the map and they get an idea of the scale of things. Hmm. And I 
don't need to try to portray it. Yeah. That it, is it, something very good for props. Props are basically, as dumb as it sounds, they are memory hard drives, more yeah. or less. Yeah. shared by the table because yeah. you put them on the table and basically your players can use them share the same vision and then also right use the information from that in their own way mm -hmm. while you don't have to portray the information from the object more or less right i'm thinking of a map and you you in your head know okay the travel from this town to this town is taking like roughly this and this and this and this and this and then you just hand your players a map and they can all do that by themselves. You don't have to explain to them how long their travel is or what it means to travel from there to there. They can see that for themselves. Mm -hmm. You might still be able to help them understand what it actually means, but you are taking a very huge load of your GMing work in communicating correctly to your players with a prop and with a very simple prop in a map. Yeah, and I think um, one thing that props do as well that helps you as the GM and as the players is keeping track of what shit you know to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. If you have um, letters from a certain character or audio files that got sent to you by an AI, you can mark things on there and keep the uh, track of that for everyone at the table to know. Everyone mm -hmm. sees the markings that you all made on that map or everyone has access to these letters or to these audio files and can re-listen or reread these things and therefore know what information you all have. You don't always have to rely on that that one player, in quotation marks, that one player who always takes all the notes mm -hmm. because the quote-unquote key information are still there as a letter or marked on the map or somewhere where everyone can see that because not everyone can look at um, every note all the time because that just gets messy. And let me tell you, as the note taker of the party, finding stuff inside your notes might get difficult at some times, but having a handout or a prop or something, um, even in online play, just having the file names there to know what type of handouts you have can be such a weight off to just look at the file name and then go looking for that in your notes to have a more or less guided experience through the notes and what information you already have. It's a way for you, for you mm -hmm. to keep track of what you can know, what you cannot know and stuff like that. At least that's what it feels like for me. When I, as a player, get handouts or as a GM, handing out handouts. It's mm -hmm. um, kind of anchor points for information that you can then fill in the gaps with, with your own notes or with your own experiences or however you want to remember stuff. But these are kind of anchor points that can be important or yeah. everyone can see those anchor points. And I think that yeah. that's one of the major um, pros of using handouts, um, props or whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to call that. They can greatly enhance the play experience. Yeah. And I think they only do so if you use them sparsely, right? For example, mm -hmm. if the, in, in that pirate with the giant treasure map example. That treasure map would be one of the few only props I make for that mm. game. First of all, time is completely of the essence here. I do not have much of it. So yeah. if I use it, I will use it the, the best way possible for this game, period. Second of all, it will greatly enhance the experience my players will have with that map because it will be a highlight at the table. And one of the things is when you play TTRPGs and you're the GM and you're basically an entertainer, you're basically the master of a ceremony, you want those highlights. I don't think that this is a this is really an unspoken fact. Everyone knows that. You love it when your players go up in awe of something that happens at the table, be it in roleplay or be it you fucking pulling out the next part of the eight-part treasure map that they just, just that they've just found, Hell getting yeah. a new treasure to follow, getting a new mystery to solve, and getting a new fucking key to in to the other ones that they've already have. It only works, however, 
if it is done sparsely and correctly. Mm -hmm. And correctly is, right, the props should kind of feel a little bit like a reward mm -hmm. for the players, for the game. So, for example, if your players have been traveling to a certain city a lot, they've been having trials and tribulations along the road, <laughs> finally, handing, handing, finally handing them the city map should feel like a reward to the players. You've made it, my boys. Finally, you're here. Here, now you have the vast endlessness of the city. What do you do? Yeah. And then they instantly go off. All the different types of things that they've wanted to do since they started beginning and they've learned on their path. Mm -hmm. Right? All roads lead to Rome, basically. And now they're here. Now they're in Rome. So what the fuck do they do here now? First of all, look at the fucking map that you just got because <laughs> amazing to see what shit you can do and all of that. It's, yeah, props enable you in a, in a way to do that more intensely. And I think one thing that we didn't touch on yet is props yeah. that don't really help in, uh, in, in play, but are just fun to have. For example, okay, the classic yeah. thing is handing out, the, for example, the deck of many things as a either a physical deck or in a virtual tabletop, a deck of digital cards mm -hmm. that you can draw from. It doesn't matter if you draw a card or click on a draw card or roll a dice to see what card you have. Theoretically, the outcome is still the same, but it's just fun to click on draw a card and then literally just turning on uh, over one card or physically being able to spread out the, uh, the deck and then just pull one card from the uh, from the deck itself it doesn't help with play at all in uh, on the pure mechanical uh, sense but on mm. the feeling uh, and um, immersion sense that that helps I get what you mean, right? But we said the play experience is also the immersion that happens at the table. And I think for that, it is greatly enhancing something. Yeah, for example, exactly. one of the props I got, and I'm going to reach for it now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, every podcast listener with headphones on. This is a bag of 50 golden coins. It is Amazing. completely useless to the game, theoretically. Yeah. It's just some golden coins. However, the amount of fucking epicness happiness i get when i throw this at one of my players for completing a quest and getting their gold hmm. is immeasurable on my and their faces yeah. however i also have for example the idea i could first of all right spread these fucking coins out on the table when we meet up in person to just decorate the table mm. and i mean even if it is completely useless to the play itself yeah it's just fucking cool to decorate your table with gold yeah. coins and immerse and, and enhancing immersion that way and then again i could also say so my campaign revolves around the 50 golden dragon coins because all of these coins have a dragon engraved in them mm -hmm. and each and, and my players, while I keep the purse obviously at home so, the, so my players don't lose any of the coins, every time they do something that gives them one of the coins in-game, I hand them one of the coins I have in the purse. Hmm. And as soon as the purse is empty, the campaign is over. They've collected all the collectibles in the game, found what they needed to find. They have the power to slay the magical dragon threatening the land. And I mean, that is something that the props also work great at. I mean, you can use props as trackers, for example, in my opinion. That is that is a very great way to use them as well. Um, especially that, like these to like tokens, right? You have these tokens that your players basically physically can touch and move and use for mm -hmm. themselves. In a game I played, um, or in a game I still play, right? There is something like, like fate points. Mm -hmm. that allow you to re-roll a certain dice, right? It's a simple mechanic. Everyone knows it, kind of. When we started playing, they were represented by bottle caps that we got. Okay. Not Nothing fancy. Simple bottle caps of old bottles. 
Mm. And having one of these chips and throwing them into the pool, basically, using it was a cool experience. Mm. It made sense. Because, right, first of all, everyone was able to track their own fate points and see how much fate they still have left. And that greatly enhanced the use of that fate because you had it blasted in your face that you have these points. Hmm. Same as, for example, with my cards of fate mechanic that I use in D&D as a homebrew rule. Where players get to draw one card from a standardized card deck that allows them to use that card and add the value of that card to their one dice roll that session. They have a card physically or in, in digitally in their hand in the VTT that they can then pull and look at and see their value. So they're reminded that they have that. Especially of limited resources, having yeah. these tokens is a great way to enhance the usage of that limited resource. Yeah. Handing your players a fucking self-made healing potion with the dice for that healing potion inside the bottle already mm -hmm. will greatly give your players the ability to say, oh, I have a healing potion, let me use it. Pop the cork, roll the dice, ah, perfect, plus yeah. 8 HP. This is actually something that I'm working on myself. There are these little spice glass bottles mm -hmm. with a cork on top that I um, have lying around here. And once they're empty, I will fill that up with the resin that I have left when I make dice. And then at some point, make D4s to go in there to really create those fucking health potions for my players to, hand, uh, to just throw over there and give them something. It's amazing. I'm, I, I can't wait to see the look on their faces when this ha happens the first time. Just, yeah, can't wait. will be amazing. Yeah, but uh, like you said, having trackers there as props is just a fun mm. way because you get reminded all the time what you have and, yeah, just are therefore enticed to use it more, basically. Because a lot of times I just forget what shit I have on my uh, character sheet or uh, on my or in my inventory, basically. And just having something there to remind myself of what I have there is peak stuff. <laughs> peak peak stuff. stuff. We are currently on the topic of trackers and decoration, basically. I think that decoration is a good thing to just throw in the mix as well um, as props, because especially that there's a um, big thing that physical sessions can do better than online sessions is um, convey decoration to a certain specific thing that you're currently doing in the campaign if you want to decorate your room where you are playing in or you can have scented candles that can convey the scent of this whole situation mm -hmm. and stuff like that and this is something that I want to throw in the mix as well with props and handouts mm -hmm. because those are also enhancing the ability to immerse yourself into the story and mm -hmm. therefore enhancing play as props should do. One of the things that I very much think is why I like uh, in-person play that much is because of how much work has gone into the first table I've ever played at and how it is set up for immersion and the prop usage. Right, It was also where we used the bottle caps. But the big thing is that this table is set in, in, a, in a small corner of the house surrounded by bookshelves and an, a, a liquor cabinet, basically. The furniture already evokes just sitting down and relaxing here. Then the lights above the table are a normal light bulb. However, around that light bulb is more or less a very rustic chandelier where you can put candles yeah. on. There's place for candles on the table as well. So mm -hmm. we are sitting there surrounded by candlelight and books. Already perfect. the immersion is yeah. perfect for playing a fantasy TTRPG. Mm -hmm. Third of all, there's a light LED light strip hung behind those books, being able 
able to switch to the certain light that we might need for a certain occasion. Icy blue for when we are in the icy tundra, or green when we're in a forest, orange when we're in a city or something. Colors that somehow relate to where we are right now. Add immersion. Yeah. Now, one of the newest additions, however, is the fact that for that game, there's a third, right, for the game, the Dark Eye, the continent of Aventuria or Aventurica is set, right? You're supposed to play in that world. And therefore, they are able to produce a lot of merch with the world map. And so a very, very big cloth table, a a very big tablecloth and this one is even spill resistant so it isn't so it's so it's not just a normal normal cloth it's it's really thick coating more or less and you have the entire world map in high resolution scale on the table as you play love that sitting around that table is incredible because you're really transported to that world this is something that i when i think of props i think of this gm and his table and how incredible immersive it is and i think that is the third thing that props need to do they don't don't just need to actually help portray a vision and be understandable they need to help immersion for me Mm -hmm. at least i think that is optional they don't necessarily need to do that for your table if your table is different in that regard but i think immersion is very huge and i think that's why we use props so much they help help with immersion. Hmm. They do that with everything. Our GM for that game also has a whiteboard set up behind him where he can put on images of people that we're currently talking to if he has. Amazing. Or has the current world map portrait. Yeah. However, the GM has, um, since there is a, basically a full-on 400-page book of just maps of this world, can just take one of the maps and put it on the fucking whiteboard yeah, to perfect. show us every single little village that is in that area. It is amazing it is phenomenal and it really immerses you in play and that is what props also can and should do for me they help you portray that vision and then chain everyone to that vision Mm. having a map of your world having a map of the area or the city it greatly gives your players a shared vision, helps with immersion. Handing these gold coins to my players helps with immersion. Having a specific GM screen helps with immersion. Yes, your GM yeah. screen is also a prop that you use at your table. I think a lot of people have seen the videos on TikTok of that GM screen with the tablet in front of it. So you yeah. can have a screen on the other side. I really want one. I have the build instructions for them. We can build one. Yes, but expensive and yeah. hard to do yourself yeah but we can do that i i, I know as I a project yes somewhere um, down the line yeah but i would also need a tablet then yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> obviously I think, but I, think, I think the problem is the tablet is the problem i don't have the tablet for that and i would need to buy one for that <laughs> yeah so. they're pretty cheap online uh online they're pretty yeah. cheap small little screens that you can use but anyways another thing another another prop i would mm. really recommend people to use is hourglasses you can buy yeah. certain hourglasses for certain time periods 30 seconds one minute two minutes three minutes five minutes ten minutes on amazon for 10 for 10 bucks mm. and they've greatly helped me in play i put one of these down my players instantly know oh shit's about to go down and those are props as well and they help you they help you share the vision of time mm. you tell your players Something happens when this runs through. Make a decision now 
and maybe it makes the outcome better or worse or even avoids it entirely, we won't know. We will exactly. decide. However, I'm giving you this time period and that's that. And I think one of the big things of that, of those clocks that I have, for example, that are very simple plastic timers for normal board games is they have the number and time that they are basically taking down on them, which I think helps a lot in making these timers more accessible because I can tell my players, this is a 10 minute timer. I'm setting it now. Hmm. So they also kind of know roughly exactly how much time it is and not just see sand taking down this clock. They mm -hmm. also kind of know, okay, it's 10 minutes. But it's still a rough estimate rather than just a digital clock, for example, where they can see the uh, seconds ticking down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a rough estimate of the time that they have, which then builds, again, tension or other things that you want to evoke with that. Yeah, but I mean, use the digital clock if your game is fucking sci-fi. Then use yeah, a digital yeah. clock, right? But I think or a loading um, or a loading bar, for example, could or also loading work. bar if you could do if you can do that, right? And this is something right with props. Whatever you do in your life, whatever you're doing, if you're a botanist, fucking beekeeper, or programmer like me, chemist like Niels, English literature major, whatever, you can find something that you could use to make TTRPGs different for your table. Mm -hmm. For example, I could create a fucking logic riddle very, very easily as an ITler and computer science major because that is basically all you do, right? It's not just writing code, it's logic it's and it's logic puzzles. And I could create a cool logic handout or even write a fucking sample of code that I hand to my fucking hacker player in my sci-fi game and say, well, you need to fix this now. Hmm. Is this going to be something on <laughs> Sunday? <laughs> no, not on Sunday. Um, Thank you. Um, in my, I, I have thought about it, however, that I'm actually mm -hmm. going to hand you actual code and riddles and stuff like that. And for example, encryptions. I was recently part of a cyberpunk game where there was basically um, a cipher to decrypt. Mm -hmm. And I do study that shit. Yeah. But I have a complete course on, on cryptography and how to decode certain ciphers, how to look for patterns in ciphers to decode them without knowing what cipher they are. Right? Mm. How to crack codes and what codes are actually secure, which are not. For example, right? the code that we got was very simple, right? Because right, it needs to be accessible and understandable in a certain amount of time. Yeah. I was very quickly able to figure out something that the GM thought would be a hint that we would get if we do certain stuff before that. Mm. Because that is a certain type of skill set I have. Yeah. However, whatever you do in your life, and I firmly believe that everything you do can somewhat, with the knowledge and skills you have, can somewhat relate back to TTRPGs. And you can use them to create certain different challenges and props and things and shit. For example, I, w I recently also played in an escape room situation mm -hmm. where we had a chemistry fucking lab situation and had to solve chemistry equations and reactionary oh, uh, equations. Uh, uh, and Small little board game thingamajig? No. No, okay, because, no, no. because it was, I played it was one a of video. Those... It was a video game. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I can't do that shit for my life. I'm not touching that. Where the fuck is Niels <laughs> so he can do that for me? Because I don't know. But Niels could, and Niels could probably way easier do that. And in regards to that, Niels is also able to create these certain riddles and, for example, props that relate to those riddles and puzzles. Yeah, and, and in regards to that, I once played a small... Um, board game escape room thingamajig um, where the code for the um, thing that we needed to find in the vault was somehow hidden in the periodic table. 
because yeah. elements were wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I was just looking at the periodic table basically two days after my big chemistry exam where I had to learn that shit completely. Mm. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that should be there and all of that and just switched it around. And basically I just wrote the thing that I figured out down, put it down and then did the escape room normally <laughs> and then um, compared the two. And yeah, it was completely right, my guess from the beginning. But every skill that you have can relate to some sort of riddle, puzzle or whatever. It just needs some time to think about how to best convey that into a TTRPG sense. Yeah, right. Um, you would always have to somehow change stuff up. But really, something about props is also sky's the limit. Whatever you imagine can help greatly in play, right? Be it, exactly. um, be it just using um, certain handouts, written letters that lead to a certain clue when you understand what is said in those letters. A treasure map with invisible ink on it. Fucking music speakers everywhere. Uh, or an audio file that you play over speakers. Maps. Um, be, the, be it literal handouts for the puzzles that your players get. I, I, I handed one of my players one, one time a puzzle where he had to basically push certain elements mm -hmm. in certain regards. And what he and he didn't have a handout. And he just got the instructions from me and basically an image of what to do. Yeah. And what he did was, I need this in props, I'm sorry. He, he, he took some old Yu-Gi-Oh cards, cut them up so he could basically put the parts together mm -hmm. and then made yeah. his own prop for yeah. that. And I mean, Whatever that works. alone, that alone is already fine. But he had something to actually better work with what sometimes just gets lost in imagination. I think that is prop's biggest advantage. They help you not lose that imagination, not lose yeah. that vision that you have. Yeah, and uh, regarding that, one thing that I like to do for characters that I play when I'm a player and not a GM mm -hmm. is have some sort of prop trinket, something along those lines that helps me get into character, that helps me remind how my character gets played or something along those lines. Basically, have touchstones for your character in a physical sense uh, that that just works for me can be just a fucking stone that you found out on the street that you touch if you want that to be your touchstone i don't care but for one of my uh, main characters that i play or characters that i play mainly that's the way to uh, to put it mm -hmm. um i have a journal that i write in in character that's a bit too much for m uh, some people but just having the journal there helps me get into character more easily and i think this is something that props can do for you as a player just to see the other side of using props as a player just for yourself the uh, This journal won't help anyone else at the table at all because it's like from the notes in there, like 10 to 15 sessions behind. But it's just a way for me to get into character and see how my character would react. Mm. Just because I have it there, I don't I usually don't read it at, uh, at all before the sessions. But just having it there and remembering, hey, yeah, I have something that binds my character to a certain way or to a certain mm -hmm. character, basically, or that stat block to a certain character and therefore have the connection to better be able to play out my character. And I think this is something uh, one of my uh, one of the other players at the table has a certain set of dice that just uh, that he just uses for that one character because they just fit that so well and all of that stuff. There are so many things that you can do to bind your character to a certain touchstone mm -hmm. to help you get into certain moods, characters, in general feelings from that campaign. Mm -hmm. that you're currently playing in. Yeah, just being physical touchstones or digital touchstones or whatever type yeah, yeah. of game you're playing no, in. No, no, totally. Amazing. I, 
I very much agree. One thing is even if you play digitally and mm -hmm. if you're, for example, still in the same country, it would still be very easy kind of to when you invite your friends to a new game, what is something, one, of, one of my ideas, to send them still an actual piece of prop in Hell the mail. Yeah even if they Hell don't yeah. live in the same city and you can't hand them to that hand that to them at the table and using these props basically at not just at the table is something that i think that props also are able to do for you even if you play mm -hmm. digitally or in person because you can still send your players an audio message per whatsapp or mm -hmm. discord you okay. can still send them letters per mail or you can actually send them links to websites if you're able to build websites for example like i for example could i could build an, a simple html website that basically opens a simple ARG for my players to solve for their game. Yeah, just imagine being the player on the receiving end. You're living in a completely different city. You're playing online. You had the session zero. And then you just get a letter for, uh, with an H paper on it that just basically is the campaign invitation from the person that first employs you. Uh, just imagine that. You open a, um, a normal letter not knowing what to expect. Just a normal letter from the, um, in the mail from a friend of yours in a different city. You open mm. it and then in there, there's this old fucking letter that relates to your TTRPG. Yeah. How amazing would that be? And you read one thing is if you have the chance... I think it's kind of cool to let the TTRPG and the immersion kind of seep into the real world hmm. and using right what, what some what some of these indie horror video games do ARGs and shit. I mean, you don't have to go that hard like Five Nights at Freddy's or something, but you can simply I don't know get your players a letter that hints to something that they have to understand in play, and then can finally decode the letter that you sent them in the beginning and then relate back to the play again. That is kind of fucking cool hell yeah and i know everyone at the table will be like oh what the fucking shit holy fucking shit how did you do that and what blah blah blah, blah, blah. Hmm. it all needs setup and i think that is something that props uh, that that is really the biggest negative point of props they take a lot of time to do and they take a lot of planning and prep setup mm -hmm. especially if they are more intricate than just a handle of a city map but even yeah. that takes fucking time if you make mm -hmm. the city map yourself and yeah. i think really you need to understand that you don't need props because right we've talked about a lot about props here now what amazing stuff they can do you do not need them to play you do not need them to have a great session you do not need them to have the best session possible exactly it's just they a way not for necessary. you to enhance certain aspects of the game you don't need them at all they yeah just fun to have or nice to have not needed and with that i think we're done I don't have anything else. I, I don't think I have anything else to add to this. Yeah, I'm done. All right. So with that, thank you all for listening and hear you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double DM. It appears you liked this one. What we had to say and our advice helped you. Why not show us how we helped you in a rating? Or even write a review detailing us how we helped. You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day and see you on the next one. Bye-bye.